Welcome back, listeners, to this week's episode of If I Only Knew. Today I'm here joined by my excellent co-host, Fred, as always. Hello, Fred. How are you going today? How are we, troops? Good, uh, good morning here in a sunny Sydney on a Friday. Ah, oh, wonderful. It is one. It's fantastic that we record on Friday, as I've got to say, because it gives us just that little bit of hope, I think, Fred, as the weekend comes up along, doesn't it? Um, I wanted to pitch a bit of an idea to you, Fred, and, and maybe pick your brains as, a, as an expert in the in the medical services field, because uh, I've had quite an interesting uh, observation about, among me and my friends recently, where I think I've come to the realisation that people have like different competencies or different familiarities with different kinds of medical services um, as they grow up particularly into like young adulthood. Um, so for example, I've seen physios for most of my life because um, that's just kind of what my family does, I suppose. And I would describe my, my most familiar medical service provider as a physio. But I've got a good friend of mine who's grown up with strong migraines, who's very familiar with their neurologist, um, also with their opticians for, for glasses and eye care and that kind of thing. Um, my girlfriend sees her GP very regularly and has quite kind of a relationship with her GP, which to me is something that I absolutely don't have. So I think that's really interesting that people develop these familiarities and competencies with different medical professionals, perhaps based on the things that, that they need help with uh, most. And, and, and maybe this starts to direct us into maybe a bit of a rut where we stay in with the one medical professional or the two medical professionals that we're most familiar with. And maybe that causes a problem when we have... Um, new or different uh, health challenges. I was also really intrigued when I brought my girlfriend to the physio with me because um, she's got quite flat feet. And so she's seen podiatrists in the past about this, um, but wasn't particularly captured by some of the surgeries they were suggesting because she didn't feel they would be effective enough um, or by the orthotics that they sold to her because she felt like they hurt her feet too much. And so when I brought her to the physio, she came out of that um, really quite excited to talk to me about their kind of philosophy of functionalism, I suppose, uh, where she would talk about the fact that she'd never had a medical professional say, we just want to get you moving comfortably. We just want to get you moving as, as mobile as you can. And we're probably going to do that by strengthening your calves or by um, getting you to stretch out your Achilles tendons a bit more rather than putting um, orthotics in your shoes. And to her, this was kind of revolutionary because she felt like she could now do something herself, like in the next few weeks to exercise and to stretch and that kind of thing. Um, in a way that she hadn't felt supported by the podiatrist she'd been to in the past. Now, I thought this was fascinating because I kind of wouldn't even fathom that different medical professions have different kind of philosophies or approaches to solving things. To me, you just go see someone about your feet and yeah. they fix your feet, right? Like that's how that works, isn't it? But it seems to me that that's not quite the case. And also, thus, the different medical professions that people are most familiar with have different impacts on the outcomes they can receive for their medical care. Is that like a, an observation that you think you can you can click with, Fred? How, how does that sound to you? Oh, look, absolutely. And I think um, one of the things that you talk about is a relationship with the GP. And, and in Australia at the moment, the GP remains the hub of your health care. Um, I'm a little bit older than you, so I know that when I was a kid, we would go to a family doctor oh. and... Uh, Dear old Dr. Cook had delivered um, all of the kids in my family except for one. <laughs> really? Wow. So we, we were the... So the way it used to work is that in the general practice, there was a number of doctors, um, some of which were surgeons that did general practice, 
some of which were obstetricians at degenerate practice. So we would go in and see Dr. Cook, and Dr. Cook was the guy that delivered us when we were babies, except for one of my siblings, I don't know which one, <laughs> definitely delivered me. And um, he would do the follow-up. He was what I would call a true general practitioner, but mm. his, his um, practice was probably more about babies and those sorts of things. <laughs> if I flash forward to today, um, your relationship with your doctor is, for most people, very transactional. For sure. Um, it's it's rare that people have a long-standing family doctor. But the doctor is the person that kind of directs traffic, right? So mm. somewhere along the line, your family would have had a good GP that said, this is a musculoskeletal issue. You're active. You're a sports family. And mm. it's about you playing sport to accommodate your lifestyle. We'll send you to a physio. Um, the two biggest referrals that GPs make in this country based on the Medicare stats are the physios and to psychologists. Ah. But if you think about these other health professionals, it's not to suggest they don't have a role, they absolutely do. But traditionally medicine was about diagnostics mm. and about, you know, if you think about the human body as a collection of hardware and software. Right, yeah. There is a difference between a medical view that is a break fix, mm. something stops or doesn't work, we have to fix it versus a newer form of medicine, which is about optimizing the machine. Mm, okay, that's really interesting. So your physio that your girlfriend spoke to is new medicine. Let's optimize the machine. Mm. Your podiatrist with the inserts is more a break fix. You have a problem with your feet. This is the solution. Mm. And the reality is we're moving away from there is one way to fix a problem which is the medical model, the break-fix mm. model, mm. to what we call a biopsychosocial um, environmental model, which is this is how you interact with the world. Mm. And if you look at the way disability is treated, Matt, there's a really good parallel there. Right. So once upon a time, people with disability were basically institutionalised regardless of their level of function. Mm. Mm. Um, and society saw them as someone to uh that they had a custodial responsibility on mm. okay any form of disability meant you were less than or other and you were shut away and they were pretty grim and awful places it wasn't about treatment it was about containment if we look at how we deal with disability today we recognize that people with diverse abilities have all the same rights and requirements that everybody else has and has all the same capacity to engage in the world. So what we do is we look at reasonable adjustments so that they optimise their experience of the world. Mm. It is hard, though. Bringing it back to your question is how do you know? How do you yes. know to go to a physio versus a chiro? Mm. How do you know to go to a podiatrist versus a physio? How do you know when you need psychiatry instead of psychology? Mm. And the hub of that is the GP. Mm. So it's interesting when you talk about this because I'm be keen to know um, without putting anybody on the spot, the vintage and philosophy of your girlfriend's GP. Mm -hmm. Because I've worked with GPs, I've worked with them in medical practice, and there are two types of GPs when it comes to psychology. Right. Those that certainly understand the mind-body link mm. and um, make a lot of referrals to psychologists mm. and a different generation of GP, and they're, I'm going to say largely older, white Anglo-Saxon, right. cisgender <laughs> males, that probably don't take the time to 
listen enough mm. to realize that there could be a therapeutic benefit. Mm. Um, and I've had a GP say to me that they don't believe in psychology. I've had oh. another GP say to me that they thought psychology was a waste of time because they had oh. failed marriage counselling. Um, <laughs> they're really so, telling on themselves there, I feel like. Well, it, it, but it, they're just human, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my mates that's a GP, is not, he's a lot younger than me, and he would say that a good third of his practice is people with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So he makes a lot of time for psychology. A really good friend of mine is a psychiatrist and he would say he never does therapy with clients. That's my job. Right. His job is to make sure that the machine um, is running to its huh. optimum by making sure that any sort of chemical imbalance is managed through mm-hmm. medication. He, and, and he's the person, he's a very experienced psychiatrist and he maintains that when I once said to him, it's funny that you say that I should do the therapy and you should do the medication. You're a doctor of psychiatry. He said, but I only studied therapy for two years. Mm, right. You studied it for six. Right, right. I'm good at it, but I know you're great at it. Mm. So I'll look at the chemical side of things because I think that's really important. And I'll look at risk and I'll make sure they're safe, but I need you to do the deep work mm. to untie the knots. And I thought that was always a really cool parallel. Yeah. But it's interesting when you talk about young people and knowing where to go and what to do because mm. you're emerging from being um, your parents' problem. Yes, exactly. To your own citizen. Mm. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you have a regular GP? Yeah. No, look, that's so fascinating because I don't have a regular GP, right? And it's actually something that I've identified that I want to develop a little bit. We had a family doctor, I suppose, in a similar way that you described, not not perhaps quite so intimately connected, but we all three of us went to see him for a long time. And I think he, he retired a couple of years ago or whatever. And then that kind of left us unsure where to go. And so we found a new practice. I think my dad's been seeing someone in the last couple of years who he likes, but um, this GP that my dad sees is like a little bit too busy at the moment, I think. So I'm going, now going to the same practice. Um, I think I've done so twice now and just gotten different GPs at the practice that I've come to with specific problems and they've been able to give me with specific help sort of thing. And then that works out quite nicely. But I definitely don't have a a relationship to anyone that I feel like I could ask to direct traffic in, in that kind of way or perhaps go to and say, here's this general concern I have what do you think about it? Whereas I feel like my my connection to a GP who I don't have a relationship with relies on me coming to them with specific problems and maybe even already knowing specific um, suggestions to make to them and just getting them to green light it or whatever. Um, I, went, I went to this GP because I realized that I was getting very, very short of breath and very tight-throated during sport for the last four or five years. And it took me four or five years to realize that I probably have what you'd term exercise-induced asthma, where I'm not asthmatic, but during specific kinds of exercise, the, the start-stop of basketball sprinting, my I find it very difficult to breathe, or much more difficult to breathe. And, and uh, I, I went to him and I said, this is exactly what's happening. It's been happening for this long. I did some Googling. I think there's this thing called exercise-induced asthma. Does that exist? Can you tell me how this works? And is it something you can help me with? And he said, that all sounds about right to me. Tell me a few, uh, here's a couple more questions. We'll give you some uh, asthma inhalers and go from there. And I felt that was a very effective transaction, Fred. But I also feel like I had to do a lot of the expertise myself because I didn't have a relationship to this guy to just say, this is how I'm feeling. Can you help me? 
sort of thing. And this is probably where our relationship with doctors in general has changed. So mm. this is very much a generational thing. Right. When I was a little kid and my mum was taking me to the doctor, the doctor, in my mum's mind, was expert. Yeah. Doctors didn't make mistakes. Mm. And they were all-seeing, all-knowing. And they were a pillar of the community for mm. that reason. For your generation, the access to information, thanks to Dr. Google, mm. is so profound and also often wrong and scary, but <laughs> yes. that's not the issue. Yes. The capacity to self-educate is really important. I want to take it a step back, though, because what you talked about with your doctor was break fix and being an educated consumer. Mm. But I, I, I want to fast forward for you to my age. Yes. So I went through a period of time where my vision was failing. So first I went to an optometrist, then I went to an ophthalmologist. Mm. Um, and it was only the ophthalmologist that said to me, what do you want to do right. in life? Let's talk about your vision as who you are as a person. Mm. Um, and then I've been to I, I, I've been to and explored cardiology mm. because I wanted to make sure that my heart was clean and clear. And you know I'm not in the best shape I can be in. And so I had really unique scans and right. tr stress tests. And those were different sort of doctors saying this is for you to live a long and healthy life. Mm. This is what we need to incorporate into your lifestyle. Mm. So rather than diagnosing a problem because there was none, mm. they were optimizing the machine with what I would consider to be preventative measures mm. to extend my lifespan. Um, and then there's the doctor that does things like men's health and prostate health. Mm. And again, I'm clear and clear, but I do have a family history of prostate cancer, so I wanted that checked. Right, yeah. And that's a really intimate relationship, and I won't tell you why, but if you Google <laughs> prostate exam, you'll understand. Yes, yes. Well, one of the things that we don't do, um, and one of the things I would encourage people of your generation to do is to find a doctor, and it's a little bit like finding a flatmate or a little bit like finding <laughs> a partner. <laughs> because a good doctor is somebody that sits and says, tell me a bit about you. Mm, right. So... I have a great relationship with a GP at the moment who started the conversation with, tell me about your life. Mm. What do you do for a living? What do you do for fun? What are your hobbies? What do you eat? How do you sleep? Mm. And the big thing was, what are your goals? Mm. Now, by forming that relationship in a new medical way, I've got a partner in my health who then can shoot out these really good referrals that are preventative, that are about optimizing the machine. Yeah, very yeah. few people do that. And I have to say this, this is one thing that occurred to me a long time ago. If you walked into your doctor's surgery and you said, I've never met you before, doctor. I'm just a name in a queue and I just wanted to meet you. I just want to kick off before I tell you what's wrong. Where did you place in your medical class in your year at university? Right. And the doctor would look at you and go, I don't understand your question. So how many people graduated in your year? know if it was 1984 uh -huh. how many medical students graduated and where were you in that pecking order and if the doctor said i'm glad you asked that no one's ever asked me this before but a thousand people graduated into medicine in that year and i was fourth in mm. the state so great let's get it happening if the doctor said it's funny you know you say that you know back then i was partying hard 
I was, you know, I wasn't <laughs> focused. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a musician or a doctor. And I think I came about 730th in the state. Would that change your opinion of that doctor? Yes, yes. I'd probably go, dude, I mean, I, I get you. I hear you. But I'm going to go into the room next. I'm going to go back into the queue and wait for the other doctor that's yeah, on call. Yeah, yeah. Just to see where they placed. Because... Just because you all finished at the same time doesn't mean you're all equally as good. Mm. Okay, And ironically, there's this concept that your, your family doctor, which is our my experience from early childhood, is your doctor for life until they retire. But there are very different needs in your life. So you and I have very different health mm, needs. Right, yeah. Okay? So your doctor now might not be the right doctor for me. Mm talked about your dad your dad and I are about the same age mm. having a good GP and that GP is talking to your father about cholesterol and blood pressure mm. calcium you know batting down the hatches here Matt but he could be talking to your dad about sexual function and intimacy <laughs> and libido and um, to which I say to the doctor relax I'm Italian got that covered <laughs> but these are the questions that they ask that they're probably mm. not going to ask you no. unless you flag a problem mm. Mm. So just like the human body has different needs when it ages, doctors have different expertise. Mm -hmm. Now, funnily enough, I think women get a better relationship with their doctors earlier because I think that throughout puberty, there are a range of issues that can come up that get girls mm -hmm. and young women in front of doctors more frequently. Oh, yeah. Guys are generally something's broken or not working or we're sick. Mm. And we see a doctor, like yeah. you talked about with that chest tightness of yours. Mm. So are you brave enough next time you see the doctor to ask them how, where they graduated in their year? That's fantastic, Fred. I love it. I actually picked this this one GP that I've gone to at the same clinic as my dad. Um, we have no relationship to him, but they displayed people's credentials on the on the list of practitioners at the GP, and I picked this one because he had the most impressive sounding list of credentials. There you so go. yeah, absolutely, yeah. I definitely see what you're saying here. Yeah, um, that's and you know what? At some point, that doctor sitting there going, "I know doing those extra courses was going to pay off." <laughs> exactly, I got Matt exactly. in the door exactly. with those extra courses. Well, and specifically, the the credentials he had would be on the medical field. Like, this is a tangent, I suppose, but he had like some masters in astrophysics or something as well. And I just thought I was, I'd, I'd, I'd very much want to see a health professional who also had cultivated some broader um, yeah. interest or, or, or um, skills in life beyond just the, the strict medical field because I felt like that would make him a more rounded person in some arbitrary capacity. And, uh, and, and a, I think that's, that's very interesting. a really interesting. clever thing to put on your wish list, right? Mm. So we've learned a bit about what you want from your medical professional. You just don't want a boffin. That's a great doctor. Indeed, yeah. You want somebody that's got broader worldview. And it's interesting that doctors don't necessarily, because if I was a doctor, I'd be saying, I don't want to see you. You're not my kind of client. I'll give you an example. As a psychologist, I have fields of expertise. Um, I'm really happy working with adults. Unlike a lot of psychologists, I'm happy to work with adults that have addictive issues. Mm. I'm more than happy to work with people with trauma. Um, but I don't work with kids. I'm not a pediatric psychologist. Right, right. It's not my field of expertise. It's really complex and hard in a way that even though I have the training, I find too challenging. I'm too emotive around kids. Yeah. So I won't take a referral from someone that's less than about 17. Mm. 
and I've had really good results with young guys from the age of 17 to about 25. Mm. But I've never had a fantastic sort of uh, relationship with a, a, a female client from 17 to 25, whereas I have peers who the majority of their practice is around that sort of person. Mm. And I think it's about relatability. Or yeah. Even though we're all psychologists, there's probably not a lot right now in my life that I connect to or that a 17-year-old girl connects to seeing me. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Whereas I do a lot of couples work, and that makes sense to a lot of people because I'm I'm a married guy in my middle years that kind of understands the real world. Mm. So couples work makes sense because it's about things like intimacy, it's about things like finances. So there's a bit of a sweet spot mm. in terms of my field of expertise. And if somebody rang me today, and I'll give you an example, if they rang and said, I have a 22-year-old daughter that has an eating disorder, mm. I would refer that person to someone else. I wouldn't see them myself. Yeah, yeah. Okay? It's a, it's a whole range of complex issues that I could work with and I'm fascinated by, mm. but I've got to acknowledge there's better out there than me. I really, really think that's very interesting for me, Fred, because I think that people of my generation are starting to be a little bit more cynical around medical practice, particularly, yeah. I think, for the gender divide, because I think there's a bit more of an awareness that perhaps women aren't taken as seriously in the medical world, or perhaps medical studies haven't been um, focused as much on women's bodies or a variety of other concerns. And I wonder if the medical world might be a, a better place if more practitioners could say, my area of expertise is with this group of people, but not that group of people. I know a friend who's better with, with helping you sort of thing. I actually think that's a really admirable way to approach um, getting outcomes for people, yeah. And in psychology, it's necessary. So there are there are disorders that we will see. And can I treat someone with schizophrenia? Absolutely. Mm. Mm. But would I say to somebody with schizophrenia, I am the solution to your problem? Mm. Well, no, I wouldn't say that to any client. But right. I would be looking at a scaffolding of support. I'd say to a client, as I have many times in my career, let's talk about a regular GP mm. that understands these issues. Because if you are, say, for example, you're female, and you have a disorder like schizophrenia, there's a lot of stuff in life that can influence that uh, psychiatric condition, like your body chemistry. Right. And body chemistry can change for some women really dramatically at certain periods of months and so on and mm. so forth. So it'd be about a relationship with your GP, it'd be about a relationship with a psychiatrist, it'd be around a relationship, for example, with a diabetic nurse, because if there's an overlap between something that is structured and functional like diabetes we need to know about that and that needs to be managed because low health or low mood because low blood sugar can trigger manic episodes or depressive episodes yeah. so you've got to look at the whole person mm -hmm. um, one of the issues that i find is that people are really really willing to just put themselves into a queue and accept what they get yes i understand that feeling for sure yeah you know and I think the days for that are done. I mean, it's convenient. Mm. And I don't think, I think we're very lucky in Australia that there is a really high standard of, of doctor as a rule. Mm. Mm. So it's the rule, not the exception that you get a good doctor. But for example, the doctor that I would see most often also has uh, uh, qualifications and a specialty in skin. Right. So I wouldn't have even thought about getting moles and whatever else checked, but I'm of the age where they do, and they were great. They checked it. It didn't take very long at all, and there was nothing that needed to be cut off, cut out, removed, or, or checked. And, you know, we're in Australia. The sun's hot. You've got yeah. to check for these sorts of things. Um, have you had a skin check? 
Funnily enough, Fred, the GP that I've been speaking about on this podcast also has a speciality in skin. And I had yep. five minutes at the end of my checkup and there I said, go. oh, look, I've got these odd spots. I'm confident they're freckles or they've been with me my whole life. Um, but do you mind having a quick look? And he kind of wandered around me with a critical eye very quickly and was like, oh, yeah, you're all good. This is this thing that he yep. used a technical word for and, yep. and whatever. Um, and that's all perfectly fine. I've got very fair skin and strikingly red hair. Absolutely. And and so the sun has been a primary concern of mine. There's even a little bit of a history of skin cancer in my family. Um, so I've, I've very much grown up with the whole slip, slop, slap, a lot of sun awareness. Um, and it was nice to have kind of an incidental... Um, health professional look at it and go look in the in the broadest of senses you seem to be doing okay um i think that was very very kind of convenient and comforting experience of expertise for me to just go oh what do you think about this and he was very very confidently able to say i suspect you're okay it was good now are you aware that there are prescribed physicals or checkups based on your age for your skin or in general? No, for you in general. I, I, I'm aware that they exist, but I've got no idea what they actually look like. So there's definitely, when you get to my age, there's a whole range of protocols for what they check. Mm. And they put you in for, a, and you know, there are names and titles and Medicare numbers for these things. Right. And, and um, I don't mind sharing that my doctor's feedback was that I'm very healthy which is ironic because, as she said, I'm fat, right. which I think is the medical term. Um, <laughs> but what I found fascinating in looking at my lifestyle um, and looking at my age, she's got a protocol for evaluation. So she's not trying to do the break fix. She's trying to do the optimize. And that's mm. why I really like her. Yeah. The other thing I like is that I get a call from her surgery saying, just so you're aware, you're eligible for the fourth booster. Do you want me to book you in for an appointment right. now? So if I want to be proactive with my health, I want to have a proactive provider. And mm. yes, it's a business for them. I understand there's some financial benefit, but I'd rather that the garage ring me and say, my car's due for a service in a month and let's book it in now mm. than have to hustle around and find an appointment to get my car serviced yeah. when the garage rings. So I think that the whole concept of your relationship with medical practitioners is one of looking backwards from where you want to end up. If you want right. to live to be 100, you want to be active the whole time, you want to play sport, walk comfortably, um, have kids, uh, you know, keep your skin safe, you work backwards from there. Mm. And you find a doctor that wants to know who you are, not just what your problem is. And I think what you talked about at the beginning of the podcast with your girlfriend is the physio wants to know about the functional optimization, mm, right? Mm. So whenever you talk about function versus diagnosis, you're talking kind of new medicine mm. versus a bit of an old school look at things. Mm. And I'm not surprised. There's two reasons why everybody walks out of a physio happy. One, because they look at the whole of life and two, physios are generally very attractive people. <laughs> okay? They have to be, they, they get into all sorts of states of undress when they study and it's a true story for those that are out there that Facts. Goes, like and subscribe, <laughs> whereas psychology is much more forgiving. It's like Hollywood for average looking people. We all get to be superstars. Mate, that's a great topic for today mm. and I think the checklist for people going away with is talk to your doctor about your goals and your lifestyle and if they don't have time to listen to that, 
they're probably not the right doctor. Yeah, very interesting. I really like. I really. I find it fascinating how you've articulated these two older and newer approaches to medicine because I think my only exposure has largely been this new functionalist approach. Yeah. And so I was quite interested to learn that many people haven't had that experience. Um, and and. I feel like a lot of young people get their medical pedigree or their medical history um, or experience from their parents. And so if, if, if you don't have that GP to direct traffic, as you say, it ends up being your parents who direct traffic. And that can be a very limited view, I think, for a lot of young people of the kinds of help that might be available. So that's super interesting. Absolutely. Well, thank you for another top-notch episode today, Matt. Enjoy this Friday, going into the weekend, looking for... Uh fun and frivolity and listeners we'll meet you again here same time same place next week for more if i only knew fantastic thanks so much fred see you guys thank you for listening this podcast is a better pod group production with special thanks to our researcher nicola binks executive producer matt blanche the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio and of course you the listener it's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.